Hi everybody, this is Jim Barton and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley and this is another episode, indeed a new season of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, this year uh, we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about death. So we're sort of continuing our practice of talking about controversial topics. So for today, um, before we can talk about uh, what the Bible has to say about death, we're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about life and basically when does life begin so we're starting off on a nice easy topic no controversy no controversy at all and it is worth noting one that we have to cover particularly because there is so much conversation around this on the conservative side of things um, and whether or not we want to have this conversation it's one that we kind of get sucked into um, yeah. we have to be able to talk about it whether we want to or not and let's be clear that I would say that this is largely a conversation rooted in medical abilities that didn't exist a century ago for sure and probably 50 years ago and therefore I'm like you all really need to like pay attention to the world around you better <laughs> but that's my cynical view and so we will continue the conversation regardless of my cynicism. Excellent. Excellent. So um, we have sort of set out as a, a continuum of w what the answers to this question could be of when life begins. And so we think the earliest potential, you know what, actually I wrote down as the earliest potential as conception, but mm -hmm. honestly I suppose you could have um, a preconception existence. You could believe that, there, that you were alive before you existed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of a little bit wonky, but uh, you know, you watch Doctor Who, right? Well, and I was going to say, if you're a classical <laughs> Trinitarian theologian, this is actually a problem you have to wrestle with. Because you mess with the Trinity if Jesus isn't pre-existent to being born on earth. Right. And so, because he has to be a co-creator, so like, well, what so does Jesus that do? Jesus existed before Jesus was born. Right. Before Jesus existed. Right. Jesus lived before he existed. Right. All right. So, so this is a problem, depending on how you want to right. go about it. So things. on the most earliest is pre-existence. Um, the fights all start to start with, uh, does life begin at conception? Mm -hmm. Does it begin at heartbeat? Then we move up to, does it begin at birth slash breath? Mm -hmm. Um... Those two things, we don't necessarily go together, but they kind of go together. Generally, they go together. Then if you want, you could say, well, what about um, early rituals that follow? So, for example, naming or baptizing. Are you really, is the, uh, is the person really a person before that? And then maybe at the latest would be some sort of idea of autonomy or personhood. Mm -hmm. So, um, we try to span uh, and be fair and like sort of put things on both ends, on both extremes. And so, um, uh, let's, I think it was on South Park that, um, she was getting a 30th. She wanted the one, a character wanted to get a 30th trimester abortion to, to end. Carbon. All this, all this does is remind me why I wasn't allowed to watch South Park. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, okay. So let's go. So let's start off with what is the answer, uh, from Genesis. And I was saying before that Di uh, Ham, what's his name? Not Dick Ham. Dick Ham is our, our former mm -hmm. general president. Uh, there's Ken Ham. Ken Ham. We're happy because we're first going to go for answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. The so what does Genesis say is. about when life begins? Genesis says life begins with breath. So when in um, the particular creation story where God is kind of taking, making a mud man out of the ground, the Adam, the, the Adam mm -hmm. taken from the Adamah, then it is when God breathes life into this creature that it is living. Yeah. Um, in the same way, it becomes all of the creatures that have the breath of life in them. Right. And so it is clear 
from this Genesis passage that life begins with a breath and apart from the breath, we don't know. And I think that's really a super important scripture because it is describing the beginning of life. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually what the scripture is setting out to do is to describe the beginning of life. Right. So that's pretty important that that's a place where it begins at breath. Mm-hmm. Here's something else also important is the law. Now I'm an attorney and there's a section of the Bible that is about the law and how you treat violations of the law. Okay. So in Exodus 20, we have a discussion about what do you do if there's a fight and as a result of the fight, a woman is struck and she has a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. If life began at conception, then the answer is easy. That person would be put to death because the penalty for murder is death. Right. He is not put to death. No. His, her husband or her uh, father can charge whatever sum he mm-hmm. wants. But it's very clear that in Exodus, and now this is a different context, Genesis is talking about sort of spiritual understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Exodus is talking about the law code. But the law code for the Hebrews was that life began at least not at conception because right. terminating a, cons- a pregnancy was not murder. Yeah. All right, so that's two. Yeah, and with that, I would add even the reality that when that law was written, the expectation was not that a live birth equaled a life. Right. Like, this does not continue. And that, when I'm reading this in our modern context, it always matters to remind us that most people died within the first five years of life in the ancient world. And this is where the naming is identifying. You wait a certain number of days before you name. Mm-hmm. Eight days, Eight right? days. Presented so, at the temple. You're not presented at the temple. So um, an infant is born and after a couple of days mm-hmm. dies. That infant doesn't receive a name. Right. So... Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know if I want to go so far as to say that means life doesn't begin until you make it to your eighth day. Right. But it is it is something on the outer edge that's something to think about. And again, now this is now we're talking about law, right? So now we're talking about the realities of how they live their lives, mm-hmm. not the theology of how they thought about the world. Right. Um, All right. So what about your fave Ezekiel? My favorite my favorite story is Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, Ezekiel gets taken out and shown a valley. And says, you know, can these bones live? And he says, I don't know. And so there's, the bones become skeletons and all of a sudden there's sinews and there's fat and there's tissue. But it's not until the breath of life and can these bones live that they are alive and they are animated and they can do something. And they are like the house of Israel. It is this breath of life called from the four corners of the world um, (coughs) that makes them alive and provides the hope for Israel. Before that, presumably, it's not clear what this is because you essentially have skin suits before right. then. And it's an important miracle because the concept of this vision, or I shouldn't say miracle, it's a vision, right? Mm-hmm. The point of the vision is to show that God has the power to raise up a people right. from Out of nothing. whatever God wants. Yeah. And God hasn't raised up a people until those people breathe. Right. Not when they were conceived. Not when they had a heart, a beating heart, mm-hmm. when they breathe. Mm-hmm. All right. So then we have the kind of the last one. Now we're kind of cheating a little bit. We're going to talk about death as defining life. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about death. When Jesus dies, which is important, right? Because Jesus died. Mm-hmm. We're going to have another episode. Where we're going to talk about people who didn't die. Right. Elijah didn't die. Right. Enoch didn't die. Jesus maybe, died. Maybe Moses didn't die, depending on your version. Our version, Moses dies. But right. other versions, he doesn't. Right. Jesus died. Mm-hmm. And when did Jesus die? 
When he breathed his last. When he breathed his last. And that is true for Matthew, for Luke, and for John. And Mark, as the, doesn't give us, the very quick and dirty gospel, yeah. doesn't even tell us. Right. It is notable that it is not only Jesus who breathes his last, Abraham does as well. Okay. So you have this great patriarch, you have the savior of the world, both of them breathe their last, and that is the mark of they're done. And they could not have said um, in the scripture when Jesus's brainwaves demonstrated a vegetative state. Right. All right. Fair enough. But they could have said when his heart stopped beating. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They said when he breathed his last. Mm-hmm. So the Bible is almost unanimous in its opinion that life begins at breath. Mm-hmm. Um, we did say that you could stretch it if you wanted to do some of this naming thing. That seems a little bit meh. I'm not sure I'm really willing to go there. And then for the folks who want to use anti-choice as a political issue to suppress women, they have to go find some way to be anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. And they do it with Jeremiah and the Psalms. And what do we think of that? So the text they use says, you knew me before my birth, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So first of all, in Jeremiah's case in particular, this is Jeremiah saying how awesome a prophet he is. It is literally him saying, I was called before birth, I was this well known, and that is extraordinary. Right. This is not the true of most of the prophets. Right. Um, And it's not, Jeremiah's sister didn't know Jeremiah then. Right. God Almighty. Knew. The great I am knew. Right. Well, okay. All right, so fair enough. Right. Knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah's birth. And, again, this makes Jeremiah a big freaking deal because it seems that this is unusual in the realm of humanity. And similarly with the psalmist, I think, Mm -hmm. the psalmist uses it to demonstrate the vastness of God's love and the power of God to say that you knew me in in my Mm -hmm. mother's womb. Um, You can get to this by formulating it in the reverse. Because if God's knowledge of us prior to birth means that we were alive prior to birth, right? Mm -hmm. Then what that means is... God can only know us if we are alive, mm. right? So if is it true that God can only know us? Are we limiting God to say God can only know us if we, have, if we are alive? No, God can no. do anything. And so, so it, it doesn't work logically, frankly. Secondly, it's, it's for poetry. It's describing mm. the power of God in a poetic form. So I think that's no more compelling than taking the idea that if you have to wait till eight days to name someone, that life doesn't begin until day eight. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a stretch. To, I think that's taking it out of context. That's taking this sort of very pragmatic, realistic approach and then trying to retrofit it to some yeah. uh, theological argument. Okay. So that's, I think that's, I feel very confident that that's the, um, what the Bible says. Is the Bible always right? No. No. <laughs> and we spend a lot of time talking about the fact that the Bible is not always right. And in this particular case, we can find times when I think that we have, um, examples of when life has begun, or at least we certainly experienced life beginning prior to a baby taking breath. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about the baptism that you did? Yeah. So we're in a tradition that doesn't baptize infants, but um, many, many pastors who are not in those traditions still serve um, as chaplains in hospitals um, and do a program called clinical pastoral education. And so... um, we might be called in with people with radically different religious traditions, including non-Christian ones. Um, and when I served as a chaplain, one of those was a baptism. And so I was called in to baptize a baby who we knew would never take a breath. Um, one of 
the reason she would die within moments of birth, if not hours at most, and probably moments, was that she had no diaphragm. So mm-hmm. she literally cannot take a breath. This child had a name. This child has a baptism. This child's baptism is recorded legally for a Roman Catholic tradition that does care about those documents. Right. So that becomes very ambiguous for parents who experienced a loss, for a nurse who, in addition to talking to me, because she called me down and I said, you're going to have to tell me what is this baby going to look like if you're telling me all these deformities. She also, when they were ready to have the baby baptized, she waited until I got there. We did the baptism. Chances are the baby's heart heart stopped beating long before I came. Mm -hmm. And she said, why would I do that? Why would I check? Why would I check? Right. Why would I, I will wait until you get there until this ritual that they need is done and then we'll check and then we'll declare the baby dead. So it's, it's totally ambiguous. I think it really gets to the fact that these issues about life and death, um, sort of confound, you know, Aristotelian, um, bifurcated logic about, you know, Mm -hmm. this and this, and does it satisfy this? And can we categorize it? And can we put it in this? I mean, I think this is a real example of where, that child was alive as far as their parents were concerned because the, the child's parents experienced a death. Right. And I, think, and I think we can also expand that to people who have miscarriages, particularly late-term miscarriages, experience um, a loss and a death in a way that it does a disservice to say that that's not a real experience for them. Right. Um, in the same way that stillbirths and all of those things that require you to still give birth to a child that doesn't right. live. I think we can talk about that too on the, on the other end of things because death is so much more clinical. You know, when I've been present, when people die, it is typically the breath that someone without yeah. a medical degree can witness. Yeah. At the same time, there's plenty of people who it's like, well, they still have brainwaves. So we put them on the machines and we do these things. Right. So it becomes very ambiguous. And this is where I'd say partly because of our medical intervention. And until we can have conversations like these, along with the medical realities, we're not going to reach good places for ourselves. Um, That is where it's like, yeah, the medical industry says life or death is the worst enemy. And it's like, well, we can say death is ambiguous and let's talk about what that means. Let's talk about what life means and let's figure out something better than what we have. Right. Because we have a sucky system related to right. death. And we are kind of in a frontier, frankly, in the mm-hmm. any kind of global context about being able to understand things and do things in ways that humans have just not been able to do very long. Right. Well, we've got our work cut out for this year then. We will um, tackle this topic. It's going to be, I think, challenging. I think we'll probably have less answers than questions. Um, but that's okay. And so uh, I would encourage folks to um, tune in and uh, listen to uh, this year's uh, series on the Bible and death. Yes, and I would add with that, one of the things that anytime we talk about death, I feel the pastor will need to say is make a will and figure out your end-of-life plans, and we'll spend a year talking about this so you get really comfortable with all those conversations. Fantastic. (laughs) All right, until next time, cheers. Cheers.